I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. Giannis returns. He had the best shooting percentage of any of the Bucks. He led the team in rebounds. Didn't matter. Phoenix still won, and Phoenix covered pretty easily. Game two, typically in the NBA with the zigzag, you would think the line would go down. Actually, it's gone up. Five and a half Phoenix is favored. The market is saying they were not impressed with Giannis and the Bucks. In baseball, talking about impressive when it comes to pitchers. Jacob deGrom against Corbin Burns. The lowest total in the last 15 years. Recorded point spread. Our database goes back. The total in the game, four and a half. Wow. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Day after game one, we're going to break it down. We're not going to go over it just for the sake of it. We're going to figure out what we learned, what is repeatable. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we are one game closer to crowning an NBA champion. We also had a surprising return last night in the desert. What is the Vegas lead here on this on this Wednesday? I think uh, for sure it's the NBA game, and I think we start focusing on what we saw from Giannis and what it means. Yeah, and so the big story last night, uh, the Phoenix Suns get a 118-105 win in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. They take a one nothing series lead over the Milwaukee Bucks, but as much as we discussed it yesterday during the show, RJ, in previewing Game 1, it was announced a short time after we went off the air that Giannis would be going in Game 1, a 20-point performance. They come up short in the win column, but Giannis makes his return after missing several games because of the hyperextended knee. So let's look at the stat line. 35 minutes plus. So he he went. He went. The third most minutes on the team. Okay. He shot the best field goal percentage. Now, he only shot 11 times, but 55% best on his team. Okay. Led the team in rebounds. And it wasn't even close. 17. Second most, 7. I'm just going to do some math, Jonas. That's more than double. (laughs) I mean... Rebounding, and if you look at the starters, here's the plus minus for the starters. Now, what for the Bucks? Now, what is plus minus? It's when a player is on the court, how does the team do? All right, Middleton minus 11 points, Holiday, oh, 10 points he scored. We had the prop there, not a good one though. You know, we split out because we had to bet if Giannis. played we were going against him in the first quarter and that one was a nice winner though he played well early okay so holiday under points 
but his plus minus minus 16. Okay. PJ Tucker minus 14. Brooke Lopez minus 17. And Giannis plus one. So when Giannis was on the court, the team won. So 35 minutes he was on the court, the team won. The other minutes, you know, 13 or so, he wasn't on the court, team lost. It's hard to say that Giannis underperformed. I would make the case if he wasn't injured at all. It's, you would wonder why he only shot 11 times. But otherwise, you would look at this line and say, pretty good game. What do you think? Yeah, and I was shocked at how well he played. Now, I don't think he was the same player that you know he is you know, at his peak to when he's you know, 100% healthy, obviously, coming back from the injury. But I was really surprised at how effective he was. Yeah, the points aren't there, but the 17 rebounds, uh, he was effective on defense. There were even times to where he did have a little bit of his explosiveness to get to the basket. I did not expect him to look as good as he did. Yeah, I think it's impossible to say that... Giannis's replacement would have played better because you're right is he he wasn't with 11 shots uh, positioning himself to be the guy that the team leaned on but he certainly was a key piece to a good performance yeah but here's the question when you see Middleton though he scored 29 minus 11 or plus minus holiday a bad I mean just four for 14 does it make you think somehow Giannis has become a, uh, you know, they say there's guys that are two plus two equals five guys. Is Giannis a two plus two equals three? That, yeah, he brings a nice number to the table, but somehow he diminishes the other players, or at least Holiday in Middleton, perhaps, maybe Lopez, perhaps. Does he diminish them somehow? Yeah, I was thinking that maybe there would be a little bit of an adjustment for those guys because they had gotten almost used to playing without him the past couple of games, and then you incorporate him into the offense. You want him to be involved because of how good he is, that maybe those guys were going to take a step back, and maybe that threw him off a little bit. But I don't know if that would apply to the rest of the series or whether or not that was just a one-game situation and and those guys are going to be more prepared and ready to go in game two. So wrapping up the first element here, Giannis exceeded expectations, helped the Bucks, and you bring up, a, I think, a strong point, which is to whatever degree Giannis's health was a big question mark for the series, by coming back in game one and playing this well, though it's possible he's going to be more prone to, to re-injure it, you know, hopefully not. But other than that, it feels like you could almost make the case 48 hours later, he's going to be close to 100%. It, you know, at least I think that's a fair speculation. And even if he's only as good health-wise as he was in game one, that's still mighty, mighty good and much better than the Bucks without him. And thus all of the machinations and the back and forth about what should the series price be and all that, man, oh, man, it feels like that, and remember, the series price with Giannis would have been about minus 150 for Milwaukee entering game one. So if that's the teams as they're currently constituted now, Giannis back and healthy, you would think the line in game two would be mm, two and a half maybe. 
because the theory being home court's about three. All right, Milwaukee's got the advantage of the zigzag. What's the zigzag? We talk about it all through the playoffs. When one team wins and the other team loses, the team that won tends to be a little bit complacent. The team that lost tends to be a little or significantly more ambitious energy and they're willing to make changes adjustments while the team that won tends to stay pat you look at the lines in almost all cases you see that team that lost even though they lost you would think oh well downgrade and line should go no no line tends to go in their favor not here though line closed after Giannis was announced in in game one right around five Game two, five and a half. So, Jonas, just as a fan's perspective, if I said, okay, you know the zigzag, is there anything you saw in that game that would make you think that Phoenix gets upgraded in some significant way, like literally like a point, you'd have to say, in order to overcome the zigzag enough to go have the line go up? This The market has upgraded Phoenix in a significant way I'm not sure why. What do you think? Well, yeah, and and I think the backcourt played really well for Phoenix. Um, you know, the both you know Paul and Devin Booker played really well. They were much better. I don't even know if Milwaukee technically has a backcourt with the lineup they had out there, but they were much better, much more effective. But we've seen. Devin Booker have some some you know games where he was really off. We've seen Chris Paul have a couple of games to where okay maybe maybe he's you can't rely on him to be that big score like he was. I actually came away from this game going, you feel good if you're Phoenix because you won the game, but if I'm a Bucks fan, I gotta feel really good about it just based on what I saw, Giannis how he looked, and and I'm excited going into game two thinking I got a real chance to steal one on the road. Uh, so. By definition, the team that won the game is going to have performers that do, you know, players that play well. So you're right. I mean, uh, we can go down the list and Phoenix had a lot of good performances. But in the zigzag, that's always going to be the case, right? A team won. So was there something so far above and beyond? I'm going to go to McKenzie here, pregame.com. Mackenzie, did what did you see? And maybe you didn't see anything. Don't stretch here. Is why would Phoenix's performance be so valued by the market that they're upgraded off a typical game one win? And let's not forget, game one in the NBA Finals, we had the trend uh, twelve and two against the spread last fourteen. Another winner there. Milwaukee owned five against the spread in game ones of series the last two years this went par for the course but the market saying oh no we saw something this line is going up to phoenix's advantage even though in almost all cases it would go down because of the zigzag mckenzie what did you see i think the suns have a and jonas just mentioned this the backcourt have a significant matchup advantage particularly against the way the bucks play defense chris paul is averaging 27 in three games against the bucks by far more than any other versus any other opponent this season and i think it's because they switch everything they have brooke lopez on them and brooke lopez well hold on a second hold on hold on can you hear me sorry sorry. go ahead can you hear me Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's like you get talking, baby. You're going to go. All right. Now, here's the question. During the game last night, and Jonas, maybe you saw this, is, and I was listening to Chris Broussard talk about it, is 
the way they handled the pick and roll changed in the middle of the game. So uh, I think it went to the drop later uh, where they were switching earlier. So the fact that they had about about half the game one way, half the game the other – what does that tell us? And didn't we? What do we really know? We didn't know from the two games they played earlier this year. So whatever you're saying, it's not like some new player came on the. It wasn't like Fletch came off the, <laughs> you know, six eight and all and saying, "Oh look, we've got a new guy here." So what's different? It's a, it's obviously a good question, and the, this matchup advantage I'm talking about might be worth a point or two. The but it would have been worth a point or two in game one. And I think market observers like me are realizing how much of an advantage it might be. But you're right. It was exactly the same advantage that Chris Paul had against this specific defense yesterday. We are straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell. Now, let's look at Booker and Paul and their performance. If you look at Booker, 27 points. Ayton, 22. Chris Paul led the team, 32. Now, this is a shocking stat in fact, this is so shocking, I'm going to tease it across the break. Because <laughs> this, this Chris Paul stat of how he's played the last two games is going to be like, really? Is that true, RJ? Yes, it is. And we're going to get to that, finish up recapping game one. And really, the foul shooting is going to be something we get into. Because if you look across the stats, Milwaukee led here, 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 there, there, and here. But Phoenix and the foul shooting was the big difference. That's We'll cover all that when we come back. That's coming up next. But first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available in over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone, he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight Out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens gonna fall. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look back at game one of the NBA Finals. And we got an amazing Chris Paul stat. And when you look at the odds movement, it is one of the more flabbergasting, confusing flummoxing Jonas I've ever seen it's the series price is doing one thing and the game odds are doing something else and this is funny business and I haven't seen anything this funny since Phoenix and the Lakers in game one we spent a whole show trying to figure it out (laughs) this one feels just as curious to me and we're going to get to that too here uh, in just a few minutes, this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Why? Because of your support, spreading the word, and we're going to keep delivering the best show we can for you. Thank you for that. And you can listen on 225 stations coast to coast. Now, which station is in your area? You might know that. But if you don't, go to foxsportsradio.com, find out. And even up there, you can listen to it streaming. So you got a lot of options. Here in Vegas, on the Strip, 
113 degrees. The neon is chugging. So, RJ, we're going to get back into game one of the NBA Finals. Chris Paul was definitely in the zone last night for the Phoenix Suns. A 118-105 victory for Phoenix. They take a one nothing series lead. Chris Paul led the way with 32 points for the Suns. Chris Paul is playing differently at a fundamental level than he's played the entire season. This season, a season that some people believed should have warranted MVP consideration. What he's done in the last two games is totally different. And here's the numbers. The entire regular season, 72 possible games, two times Chris Paul had 30-plus points. Two times over 72 games, though he missed some games, but not that many. In the playoffs before the last two games, he had 30 points one time. And now, in the last two games, he's had 30-plus points. So, literally, literally, we've got 72 games. We've got, what, another 15 or so? And... It's like we're moving towards 90 games that he doesn't have in, in, in all in the 90 games. He's got three times that he goes 30 or more. And now he's doing it twice in a row. He and one is the closeout game to get to his first finals. And the other one is the first game of the finals. To me, that's a big edge for Phoenix. Chris Paul, his will, you know, that's the thing they always say about MJ, which I agree with. He wasn't going to let him, you hear, he's not going to let him lose. That's what they used to say in a given spot. It feels like Chris Paul was taking on that sense of, I'm going to be, it doesn't matter what I typically do. I'm going to go above and beyond because my will is going to dominate. It's going to be a will to power, as Nietzsche would say. As you're watching the game, does it feel different uh, what Chris Paul is doing than other, you know, other points of the season? Yeah, it, it almost feels like he sees the finish line, and so now he's really starting to step on the gas. And I think he mentioned that on the court in the interview after the game, um, which he mentioned, you know, that they wanted to play with a better pace. That you know he's been you know guilty of they slow it down, um, you know, call it uh, you know old man basketball where they slow it down a little bit. But he wanted to play with a better pace, and it looked like he did. And I don't know if he was just saving up for for this point or is recognizing a matchup advantage they have over Milwaukee but he looked much more active uh, and and looked I don't I don't want to say younger but he looked more like the younger version of Chris Paul uh, in that game last night that's Jonas Knox I'm RJ Bell we are straight out of Vegas the numbers and how Milwaukee did well in certain spots but still lost the game. You don't see this very often. So I'm going to tick off the stats that Milwaukee won. So they won three-pointers made. They won three-pointers attempted. They won the three-point percentage. They won offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, and total rebounds. They won assists. They won blocks. I mean, think about that. You, we just ticked off a massive number of possible in 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 the field goal percentage overall. Uh, it, it was forty five percent for Milwaukee, forty seven percent for Phoenix. So Phoenix just smidged out that one. If you look at just three pointers, though, sixteen made by Milwaukee, eleven made by Phoenix, five times three, fifteen. So. 
a 15-point advantage, Milwaukee, in three-pointers. And still they lose the game. And they lose the game handily by 13 points. The driver, free throws. So nine free throws made for Milwaukee, 16 attempted, 56%. Nine out of 16. 25 made by Phoenix. 25 of 26, 96%. So four or uh, 16 points on just free throws. You might say home cooking, home cooking. Yeah, I don't know. 18 fouls for Milwaukee, 14. 14 only for Phoenix. But if you say, oh, home team had a four-foul advantage and you could make the point that Milwaukee plays tougher D or like more handsy D, more physical D. So it's probably not crazy. So it's fascinating how the combination of it being shooting fouls and making her free throws seem to trump everything else because it's really hard to find another area in the stat sheet on, in the box score that was a big advantage or was even a material advantage for Phoenix. And I don't know if it'll play, if free throws are going to be the big difference in this series, but look, they were the difference last series for the Suns as well too. If, if Paul George hits those free throws, we're not talking about the alley-oop that won the game for him that, that ultimately changed the series and completely changed how that series went. Free throws were a big, a big deal in that series. Uh, Phoenix you know, only missed one free throw last night and and we know Giannis's struggles at the line and I just wonder if it's going to come down to whoever can hit their foul shots and whoever gets there more often is going to be the team that ultimately ends up raising the trophy. Giannis attempted 12 free throws the rest of the team Milwaukee attempted four <laughs> so yes yeah. Giannis and the free throws are going to be important last thing McKenzie made an interesting point he said Maybe the reason, and let's reset what's going on with the odds. So, the line closed, and it went exactly how we predicted, Jonas, is that when the possibility of Giannis playing went from doubtful to questionable earlier in the day, game day yesterday, the market kind of yawned. And some of it was, hey, questionable isn't for sure, so he might not even play. But still, if there's some chance that he was going to play and it was an increased chance the market should have moved it didn't really to milwaukee's advantage and my thought was hey they they think if the market thinks if he plays he's not going to make a difference that he won't be of the physical ability to really be a difference maker in at least game one but what we thought was if it happens right before game time, the public is going to be a little more gullible, though in this case they would have been right at least about his performance. And it did get bet down to four and a half, and went back to five, so we're going to call it five. Game one closed at five. Now, the scenario is the same. It's in Phoenix. Giannis's health is what it was. And, you know, if anything, you could make the case um, – that Giannis exceed whatever you thought about Giannis's health coming in game one, you're going to be significantly more optimistic going in game two because you saw game one and it was better than we thought. So if anything, that's another upgrade for Milwaukee, but somehow, some way with the zigzag, which is the team that loses tends to get the advantage or gets the benefit of the doubt in the spread. So the, the line will tend to go down home team wins game one. It goes down in game two. This line went up. It is currently in game two, five and a half. 
I don't understand it, but it is in contrast to what's happening in the series price. But first, let's quickly go over what McKenzie was saying regarding the matchups, because what he's saying is maybe seeing that third time, because they've played twice so far in the regular season of this matchup with these two teams, maybe seeing those guards for Phoenix, it's like everyone's kind of saying, you know something, that's a matchup advantage with that switch and the way that the high pick and roll is that, that maybe Milwaukee doesn't have an answer for. Well, maybe, because if you actually look – at the results of the three main players on Phoenix in these three games, it's mighty impressive. Booker, 27 last night, 30 and 24 in the other two games. Rock solid. Aiton, 22 last night, 17 and 20, I think four, but I wrote that down in a scribble. So somewhere in the, oh, actually it looks like 20. So 20. So, uh, you know, nice, consistent, by the way, the worst plus minus from Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez, minus 17. So you can see, I think, that uh, Aiton and his um, youth and his physicality is going to be much tougher for Lopez. Is that how you saw it, Jonas? Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, and, and I think Aiton's been sort of under the radar this entire postseason to where, you know, Chris Paul's getting a lot of the love because there's a great story. Devin Booker's becoming a superstar in front of everybody's eyes. But DeAndre Aiton has been fantastic and, and really, really really dominant and really effective and and a lot to to a lot of people he's playing himself into big time money when his time comes for a contract he's going to get paid just based on his performance in the postseason thus far and it's so fascinating to think about the draft with Luca and with Young yeah. and Aiton and Aiton being picked first and not that he would go first but uh, someone that was looked at as a somewhat of a disappointment, even midpoint of this season, you could say. Uh, Ryan Rosillo, who follows the NBA for the ringer very closely, formerly ESPN, he makes uh, a point in the middle of the year, a big point that they were that Chris Paul wasn't passing to him, that he, they just didn't trust him enough to even pass to him in some spots where it looked like they should have. But at this point, uh, you know, one of the keys, I think you're absolutely right to the Suns' performance. And then finally, Chris Paul, 32 last night, but in the prior other two games against Milwaukee, 28 and 22. And as we said, only three times this year prior to the last two games had Chris Paul had 30 or more. So when he had 28 against Milwaukee, that was one of his highest scoring games of the entire year. In fact, he's averaged more points now against Milwaukee than any team in the league this year. So it does feel like that Milwaukee's defense, which is outstanding, is not doesn't have an answer right now for the high pick and roll, at least the way that Phoenix does it. And the main difference there from a typical team is Phoenix is not afraid to take the mid-range jumper. And they are deadly accurate, typically, on the mid-range jumper. And typically teams are looking to go to the basket with the roller or kick out to three or jump out to three. And Phoenix's way of doing it, it feels like we've got a third game now saying, hey, matchup problem for Milwaukee, and 
I don't know about you, Jonas, but I'm not super optimistic about Milwaukee's coach and his adjustments. Yeah, I, I was thinking that the same thing because that's been a big knock on on Budenholzer this entire postseason. Is he going to be willing to make adjustments? I, I also wonder this. As, as much as Giannis looked good in game one, uh, just thinking out loud, how sore is he going to be? Because, you know, it's not like he came back and he played a handful of minutes. I mean, he played, you know, 30, 35 minutes in that game, so he played a lot. I just wonder, is there, any, is there going to be any sort of an impact on his ability to come back, recover, and get back out there on, you know, it, with a day in between? See, that's interesting. I, I could see that, but I, it seems to me when the adrenaline is pumping, that soreness isn't the issue, right? And yeah. and and maybe it maybe was a knee that you know bang, you know uh, sprain maybe, but. Again, I think what we're seeing here is Giannis is a physical freak. Uh, I think I've heard that f- term used. For, <laughs> and because uh, it was, I think it was a, a week to the day since he got hurt that he came back. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. mean, ugh, when we just looked it up on the Internet now, it was three to five weeks. And obviously that's not what people were thinking. But there was a lot of, hey, listen, this is what I heard. Well, you know, maybe uh, not game one, not game two, but then he's ready for game three with the home crowd. So it's like coming out in, I mean, did he play the best? I mean, who had the best game for Milwaukee? Plus minus says Giannis. Um, If you look at a stat called BPM, uh, which is kind of one of these single counting stats that basketball reference uses amongst the starters, uh, no, actually, amazingly, Brooke Lopez had the highest and Giannis had the second highest. How, Mackenzie, you follow these advanced stats. How in the world could Brooke Lopez have the worst plus minus, but the best BPM? That's fascinating. I, I got to do some more research on that. I thought uh. I understood box plus minus, but... <laughs> It has a lot to do with plus minus, and he was the worst on the team. So I got to look into that. Uh, it's a very interesting question. But either way, I, uh, let me ask you I test, Jonas, who had the best performance for Milwaukee? Uh, I think, gosh, if we're going to. Because Middleton shooting Middleton. 12 or 26 doesn't get it to me. I mean, yeah. 46% doesn't get it to me. I would probably say Giannis. Like, if, if you're going to, if, if him and Middleton are close just based on Middleton scoring more, um, you know, hitting threes that Giannis wasn't able to hit, but then you look at what Giannis was able to do defensively and also rebounding wise. I mean, you know, even DeAndre Ayton's, you know, monster rebounding performance, as you pointed out, um, you know, Milwaukee still out rebounded him. And that was in large part due to, to Giannis coming off that knee injury. Guy had 17 boards. So I, I would say Giannis was probably the best player last night for Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, he is a freak, no doubt about it. Okay, so we talked about game two, line going to Phoenix's advantage. The series price is a shocker in a different way, in a different direction. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Did you watch any of that uh, golf yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I watched, uh, you know, bits and pieces. Uh, What'd you think? Um, I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but, you know, it's just it's like a bunch of guys just, you know, goofing around. Couldn't really get any straight answers at anybody. And, you know, it felt like. Why'd they have it on. against the NBA Finals? I, I don't know. I don't know if they actually thought it all the way through, but I'd, I'd be curious to see uh, what the numbers are. 
Uh, I think the hot dog contest might have been more susceptible. Uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan Byer actually has uh, something on the uh, golf. Tournament. Yeah, ju- just for the date, the date was set in advance when we didn't know when the NBA Finals were going to start because if the Bucks would have lost Game 6 to the Hawks, their Game 7 would have actually been Monday night and the Finals wouldn't have started until Thursday night. Yeah. So that was more bad luck on the... Uh, yeah, but what you're saying is, Mr. Dan Byer, is it was like pretty much 50-50 if it, it was going to get stabbed, you know, stabbed on. And, and I guess the question is, Tuesday afternoon... Isn't that a weird time? That was unique. That was a that was a v- very unique because the other ones have been on holiday weekends where this was a holiday weekend, but we're past it. We've had Thanksgiving weekends, uh, Memorial Day, I believe, is when they had the one last year with with Tiger and Phil and Peyton Manning. But do you think maybe someone put their finger on a calendar and just like moved it a couple inches, <laughs> well, and every and it was just a domino effect after that? Yeah, maybe somebody looked at the 2020 calendar and saw July 6th and thought, oh, that's a Sunday, and then it ended up not being and I don't, I don't even know if that was the case but, but and last question to you Jonas is Aaron Rodgers is now saying that the offseason was for him to decompress or to get like he's caused more drama than the rest of the NFL combined probably and somehow he's saying this offseason was about him getting away I guess, you know, mental, he need to look after his mental. But he doesn't you know, care about his other teammates or anything and all yeah, the drama. I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> it sounds like, like some friend of yours started dating a woman that maybe <laughs> is causing trouble. It's like there's a lot going on there. <laughs> all right. When we come back, we will get to, because this is something we want to go over and have enough time, and we were a little tight there. What happened to the series price? What does it say? Because what the game two price says is Phoenix is better than we thought relative to Milwaukee. The odds in the series is saying the opposite. How could it be? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion. And I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who's ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Merriman on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of A's. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we have been talking about game one of the NBA Finals. The Phoenix Suns have a one nothing series lead. But what is the Vegas perspective on the series moving forward? Okay, series price right now, minus 320 for Phoenix. So $320 wins you $100. Uh, if you want to bet the dog, 100 wins you about 250 Okay, now why is this unusual? Because typically, and we've done a study recently at pregame.com in which we looked at year after year of every series, 
how the how the series price would move in between games based on the circumstances, right? Teams up 1-0, they're the favorite team, they win. What happens? The underdog wins. What happens? So we're compiling a big database of those movements to try to see what convention is. There's also a way mathematically to figure out what it should be. So you have the mathematical projections, you've got the history, and then you've got today, what's happening now. And this is an outlier. Typically, in this spot, Phoenix winning game one, the line would have went to minus 450. So minus 200 to minus 450 is what history says. Minus 200 to minus 320, which is effectively half of the movement, is what happened. And that makes a ton of sense. Why? Because built into the line of the series entering game one was a ton of uncertainty about how much Giannis was going to contribute it's possible he would have never been right the entire series. He could have been flawed, hampered enough that he didn't, he wasn't a net positive at any point. And this is the opposite. What we saw is he maybe was probably was the best player on the floor for Milwaukee, even in game one. So you got to be massively more optimistic about Milwaukee's Giannis contribution and thus, the rest of the series plays differently because of that. And thus, the there would have been uh, a 250 cent or so improvement in the odds for Phoenix. But chop off 120 or 30 cents of that. Why? Because upgrade in Giannis's projected contribution makes a ton of sense. What doesn't make any sense is at the same time, game two's line goes up. Now we know Giannis is so much better than we thought he would be. We didn't even know if he'd play in game two. We didn't know he'd play in game one. But lo and behold, entering game one when Giannis was known to be playing, but we didn't know how it could have been an Anthony Davis situation. The line was five. Now he plays massively well. The zig, you know, based on what we thought expectations were, the zigzag favors Milwaukee. The series price is saying Milwaukee's just relatively better than we thought for this series because they got Giannis pretty healthy. But all that, nah, we're going to make Phoenix a bigger favor. It makes no sense. Uh, Jones, I know this is, you know, this is something that's shocking to me, and it won't be as shocking to you, but just the logic, as, as you hear me talk this through, does it seem like it's a contradiction? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense just from the standpoint of, all right, he's back. He looked better than I think anybody expected him to look. He played probably more than anybody expected him to play. Um, there was no real hobble. There were a couple of times where you could tell it was bothering him a little bit, but he still went through the entire game, and we're just not going to factor that in at all into game two. I I, I I don't understand. But factor it in everywhere else. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Unless, I don't, is there something about the spot that seems like it, it leans Phoenix. That's the only thing I can I can. But I because ask. but the spot is the typical zigzag yeah. where they lose game and, and history tells us the title uh, to start a title series game one ghost is it's now thirteen and two against the spread for the home team. 
So, if anything, it's game two's much, 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 much better. Game one had the massive advantage. And uh, there, was, there was also yeah. a moment where Chris Paul suffered a little bit of a, a nick to his wrist where his hand got caught up in, in somebody's jersey. So, I mean, I wonder if that's going to have an impact on game two. Like, a lot of it just doesn't add up to me. So, here's what I'm going to say. I won't make it official till tomorrow, but I feel pretty strongly – we're going to have a full best bet on more. In fact, let's make it official right now. Milwaukee, <laughs> let's take the points. I'm not letting the market move. Take the five and a half, baby. Full best bet. It's straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas! 